You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> I'm Ebony. I'm Ebony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Pamela. <laughs> I can't sing, so I don't sing. I just... I don't sing. <laughs> I just but preached. But Pamela sings. So I just preached at the beginning of this so episode. she preached. <laughs> Okay, I'm done now. <laughs> that was fun. I'm I'm excited to finally do this one because mm. um Oh yeah, you've been holding on to this one for a while. <laughs> yeah, we we were gonna do it last season and then I was like, I don't I don't know if there's enough information. But we were also still figuring out like what we were gonna talk about. Yeah. So once I was like, but wait, the the person that this musical is based off of, I can talk about her and she my god her story <laughs> so we'll be fine mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> we'll be fine because it seemed like we i think we finally kind of come into our yeah our own and figured out what you know what works best and the formula that works here um but when we first started it was kind of like we were just trying to find details on the actual shows right. and why they didn't succeed right. but sometimes that's really difficult to find because right. some shows just have no information or some that right. are, are relatively new mm-hmm. so that information hasn't really come to light yet right. or you know right. different things like that and and sometimes it's just because 75% of shows don't make their money back <laughs> that's very true and that's just how it is yep so, so yeah. with that statistic, we have a lot of material. <laughs> All right. Yes, so, Scandalous, have any of you heard about a woman named Amy Semple McPherson? No. So, oh, wait. I think I have, actually. There, There's a song uh, that I can't sing, but it's really <laughs> famous. Um, okay, so let's go from... How's it go from from Amy Semple to uh, Shirley Temple? Do 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 do. It sounds like a Cole Porter. Yeah, it's um. Shoot, what's the name of that song? It's so popular. Let me look it up while you're talking. Yeah, she she's in a song that everybody knows, and (laughs) I'm blanking on it right now. Um, and so. A lot of people don't don't know who she is, but weirdly, about 2010, um, I had a lot of friends who were beginning to become interested in her and were just like reading books on her um, and were telling me about her. 
And then I was hooray for Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> yes. And do you know the way you were speaking it? Yeah. I almost I, that's the song I heard, but I couldn't be for sure. Uh-huh. That's funny. Um, And so, yeah, so I had a lot of friends who were interested in her. And so they were reading books. And then one day I was watching uh, the Today Show and the 11 o'clock hour. And Kathy Lee Gifford was talking about this musical she was writing. <laughs> and at the time, the musical was called Saving Amy. Mm. Um, and when she was talking about it, uh, it was about to open at the Fifth Avenue uh, Theater in Seattle. Cool. And so that was like the first time I heard about it. And then I was telling all my friends who were becoming obsessed with her that it was going to be a musical. And they were... They were pretty excited about it. And they, they, so I weirdly, <laughs> once I finally came back to New York, because that was like my two year hiatus from New York City, I got a comp ticket to go see it. So I was able to see, I was able to see Scandalous when it was on Broadway. So today we are going to talk about Scandalous. Scandalous. <laughs> And Scandalous. <laughs> and technically the second time Amy <laughs> Semple McPherson was on Broadway. Ooh, I can't wait. All right. So who is Amy Semple McPherson? Um, she started the Foursquare Church. In the beginning, Amy Semple McPherson was born Amy Elizabeth Kennedy on October 9th, 1890, near Ingersoll, Ontario, Canada. She was the only child of James and Minnie Kennedy. Although she was reared in a Christian home, she became an atheist during her teen years. Then when she was 17 years old, she attended a revival service conducted by a Pentecostal evangelist named Robert Semple, where she heard the message of the good news of God. She eventually became born again. Okay. So after the revival meeting that changed her life, spiritually it also changed her life romantically because before long, she and Robert Semple were in love and eventually became married, and they got married on August uh, in August of 1908. Uh, so after they got married on her 18th birthday, they ministered in Chicago uh, for a while, um, and then the Semples began preparations to go as missionaries to China. In 1910, shortly before Amy turned 20, she and her husband of less than two years set sail for China. Wow. Robert and Amy both contracted malaria within months of arriving in Hong Kong, and Robert died only three months after their arrival. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, it really is. Um, therefore, leaving her penniless, a penniless widow, awaiting the imminent birth of her first child. Oh, my gosh. That's and in China. Yeah. With malaria herself. Yeah. Good grief. I know. I know. When her daughter, Roberta Starr Semple, was a month old, Amy returned to the U.S. to face life as a single mother. So by this time, her mother had moved to New York. Minnie Kennedy had moved to New York, uh, uh, New York State. Um, and her mother was heavily involved uh, in the Salvation Army. Like, I think she was a soldier in, in one of the Salvation Army churches. And cool. so when Amy moved back, she would help um, her mother raise money for, for the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, it was there that Amy met and married a Christian businessman named Harold McPherson, which okay. is why we have Amy Semple McPherson. <laughs> <laughs> they had a son named Rolf Kennedy McPherson, and Amy tried to settle down to a quote-unquote normal home life, but knowing that she was not being obedient to the call to preach the gospel, uh, it began to wear on her, and her physical health declined, 
It declined such that she nearly died. Um, Goodness. Yeah. She went through multiple surgeries. She was, like, basically on her deathbed. And she was having this, like, what am I doing with my life? This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Um, You know, but, like, think about what time period she's born in, right? Mm -hmm. Like, women don't even have the right to vote. Like, women are, are dying trying to get just that right. Yeah. You know, so... So for her, <laughs> the, the she she was like Jonah in a way because it's this thing where you feel like you're called to something and you live in a world that's like, uh, no, yeah, you can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. You're only allowed to live this one way, and that's it, and that's what you get. Yeah. Um. So to go against that had to be terrifying for her. Mm-hmm. So of course, like it's going to be hard, and you're going to run from it. Okay, so after she had the near-death experience, um, she decided she was not going to continue running and decided that she was going to become an evangelist. So Harold and Amy began evangelizing and holding tent revivals on the east coast of the U.S. where thousands were healed and became Christians. Life as traveling evangelists was very difficult, however. They would wash their clothes in streams. Many nights were spent fighting off mosquitoes as they slept in train depots, leaky tents, or their car, Ugh. often with very little to eat. Yikes. She was she was not messing around. When she was like, I'm doing this, she did it. <laughs> <laughs> She's not messing around. Well, I suppose after contracting malaria in the middle of China, China. Yeah. sleeping in a tent isn't so bad. No. <laughs> No, no. All right, so eventually Harold decided this was not the life he desired. (laughs) Uh, So unfortunately, he left Amy in the middle of a campaign in Key West, Florida. Oh, man. Winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, People also call Amy Sister Amy. So I will probably say that also throughout this. (laughs) Sister Amy continued to faithfully preach the gospel and people gathered in ever-increasing numbers to hear the remarkable lady evangelist. The largest tents could not contain the crowds that gathered to hear her, so she rented the largest auditoriums in order to accommodate the numbers of people who attended. People often stood in line and waited for hours so they could be assured of seats for the next service. In fact, some even hid in bathrooms and attics overnight so they could be at the next day's services. That's <laughs> crazy. In San Diego, the National Guard had to be brought in to control a crowd of more than 30,000 people. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Sister Amy's sermons were not fire and brimstone messages, which were actually pretty popular at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, her sermon showed the face of a loving God. She preached to individuals from every walk of life. So, so that's why I started the show with... Uh, yeah. Do you have a dream? Because because she wanted everyone to know that, like, whatever dream they had in their heart, you know, for a lot of them, that dream had been placed there by God. And so not to, like, run from it or shy away from it. And even if you are in a, a place where you felt like um, y- you were in one of those moments where uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick moment. Yeah. <laughs> That, that there is a place for you, and just because it's taken longer than you expected doesn't mean it's a, something that's never going to happen. Ebony, you are speaking directly to me <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. It's a good reminder. 
Oh, these allergies. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, okay, so Sister Amy, she, she did a lot of awesome work. So she established many Hispanic ministries in Los Angeles, as well as ministries to uh, the German people, the Japanese and Czech people, also hearing impaired. And actually... A lot of these organizations, they have like um, like satellite ministries. Mm-hmm. So one of them um, is based here in New York City. And I'll actually talk um, about them a little bit later because they're integral to the Broadway production. It's kind of cool. cool. Um, it's, it's funny because it's actually kind of a little bit like what happened with Hamilton and Eliza Hamilton's... Um, organization that works with uh, orphans Mm. so it's like a similar kind of story it's really really neat on january 1st 1923 when she was 32 years old uh angelus temple was dedicated after she had spent many years raising money for it so angelus temple is this massive temple in los angeles is it still there yes it is used for something else. Is it a Scientology I temple? Do not remember what. <laughs> it is I feel like there's used one of those for. on every corner I, in Los Angeles. I don't know that. I don't know that Foursquare has sold it, but I, I don't know what they what it's used for. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not still used for preaching. I mean, it held okay. five thousand three hundred people. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it massive. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, like I said, it held 5,300 people and was immediately filled to capacity at every service. Sheesh. So there's stories of like, you know, she had three services, three or four services. She would have a service. There would be like double the amount of people that could get inside, standing in the line outside, waiting to get into the next service. So she'd have like 10,000 people outside <laughs> of her standing room only temple. Nuts. Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. Though. Yeah. And I... I especially love that it's a lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's like the little cherry on top. It's a lady preacher. Which, of course, burned a lot of people in the 1920s. Sure. But shut your face. I don't care. <laughs> That's how I feel about that. God so, loves women, too. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, he does. Um, on Sunday evening, Sister Amy would present illustrated sermons. Okay, so this is like the piece de resistance. <laughs> okay, so she she would have these elaborate stage productions of stories from the Bible. Amazing. And so, I mean, you live in Los Angeles, right? So you can hire all these, like, actors yeah. who are not working to, like, come there and do these productions where, like, if she was going to do, like, Noah's Ark, mm-hmm. she would have, like, real animals. She would get them from the Los Angeles Zoo. So cool. Yeah. And she, I mean, these were, like, and then, of course, this is during the time when you just have radio, if you have that. Yeah. You know, so you don't have, you definitely don't have television. No. Um, you you would have theater, like, there's vaudeville and stuff uh-huh. happening uh, then, but, it, you know, and then you, you had movies, but, like, to see a live production with, like, live animals and be able to get that. No kidding. Like, for free uh-huh. every week. <laughs> you know, and, like, this woman who, you can go on YouTube and, like, listen to her. I listened to one of her sermons, and she just is, like, such a powerful speaker. It's very, she's just fascinating. Cool. Um, in an era... Prior to television, these entertaining presentations attracted huge crowds. So I said that already. 
while holding a revival meeting in San Francisco in April 1922, she became the first woman to preach a sermon over the radio. So they did it. She she purchased she purchased a um, a radio tower. The station was the station. I don't know what you call it, channel or whatever mm-hmm. is called. Uh, KFSG. It was called that. It's not called that anymore. Um, but she was like the first woman to a like have her sermons preached on the. I think she was like the first woman on the radio to like to have her own show. Wow. But then like also like the first woman to have her own a radio station. Mm-hmm. You know that's a huge deal. She's sort of like like in the same way that like Lucille Ball is like the pioneer of like owning her own production company, mm-hmm. being the first woman to own like their own television production company. Yeah. Um, Amy Semple McPherson is the first female to own like her own radio stations. That's like, cool. very cool. Um, so that, that radio station KFSG, um, it was, it says uh, the radio station could be heard from Australia to the islands of Cape Verde, just off the coast of Africa. What? I don't know if that's true or not, but wow, I will say the station was so powerful that in the year 2000, it was sold for $250 million Woo! <laughs> to uh, Spanish Broadcasting, which is a broadcasting company because the reach was so wide. This is wow. like super expensive. That's a lot of money for no a kidding. radio station in the year 2000. <laughs> Can I just have like one of those millions? <laughs> I know, right? Just one. I was reading a story about like, I don't remember where he is, but he's one of the richest men in whatever country he lives in. Uh-huh. And he has $30 billion. And I'm thinking you wouldn't even miss one million. Right, right. Just give that to me. Right. I'll invest. Mm-hmm. I'll share the wealth a little bit. But oh, man, that would be amazing. No. <laughs> $250 million. Hmm. Okay, so this is when we get into the true cri- true crime aspect mm-hmm. of Amy Semple. Um, and some people call this the crime of the century, or the not the crime of the century, the um, freaking, <laughs> what's the word for? Oh, man. For what? Trial. The trial of the century. <laughs> Woo. I'm on What's my the word A game. When someone's arrested and then they have <laughs> to go in front of jurors. Yes. <laughs> Every other word but the one I needed. Totally. <laughs> on, <laughs> on May 18th, 1926, McPherson went with her secretary to Ocean Park Beach, north of Venice Beach, to swim. Soon after arriving, McPherson was nowhere to be found, and it was thought that she had drowned. Searchers combed the beach and nearby area but could not locate her body. The Angelus Temple received letters and calls claiming knowledge of McPherson, including demands for ransom. McPherson sightings occurred around the country, often in widely divergent locations, many miles apart on the same day, which is pretty normal. Like people will, if you, if you send out, you say you're looking for so-and-so, yeah. like it often happens <clears throat> that yeah. you, people get calls. False reports. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just a common thing. People trying to get attention or yeah. people that like think that they actually, actually did saw. see them, but they didn't. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really common. Um, as a precaution, the ransom notes were sent to the police who investigated at least one of them. Mildred Kennedy, again, who's Amy's mom, uh, she regarded the messages as hoaxes, believing her daughter dead. 
As the Angelus Temple prepared for a memorial service commemorating McPherson's death, Kennedy received a phone call from Douglas, Arizona. Her daughter was alive. The distraught McPherson was resting in a Douglas hospital and related uh, her story to officials. Okay, so during the search, you need to keep this in mind, Mm -hmm. a person died searching for her. It's like one or two people died searching for her. So you need to keep this in mind as we get to the trial. Um, Amy's account stated that while she was on the beach, she had been approached by a young couple who wanted prayer for their sick child. McPherson went with them to their car and was suddenly shoved inside. A cloth, presumably presumably laced with chloroform, was held against her face, causing her to pass out. Eventually, she was moved to an adobe shack far in the desert. Two kidnappers, Steve and Rose, were her constant companions, with a third unnamed man occasionally visiting. When at last all her captors were away on errands, she escaped out of a window. Using a mountain as a landmark, she (laughs) said she traveled through the desert for around 11 to 13 hours across an estimated distance of 20 miles. Around 1 a.m., she reached... mm (laughs) Okay. Oh, dear. A really long word that you can't pronounce, but it's a place. It's a place by the Mexican border, uh, a Mexican border town. That's what I'm going to (laughs) say. There you go. I'm not going to butcher. And collapsed near a house there. She was assisted by the residents and finally taken to uh, adjacent Douglas. After emerging from the Mexican desert, McPherson began to convalesce in a hospital with her family, like I said, in Douglas. Mm -hmm. It was surmised. Okay, so uh, a lot of people do not believe or did not believe that she was kidnapped. Right. I will say, like, there's a lot of evidence to support either okay but then some people say there's not enough evidence to support either it's very confusled (laughs) (laughs) so uh, you know i mean even if you look up her story and you look up and find out you know what evidence was on either side like depending on which article you read some people will be like there's more evidence to support this side there's more evidence to support that side yeah um But because a lot of people didn't believe that she was kidnapped, it was surmised that she ran off with an ex-employee named Kenneth Ormiston, who was married to one of her employees. She was accused of staying with him in a California resort town cottage until May 29th. The time frame of Ormiston's seaside cottage rental coincided with the first 10 days of her disappearance. However, a missing three-week period afterwards was not accounted for with any evidence in court by the prosecution. In response, the evangelist maintained all along without changing anything in her story that she was taken, held captive by the kidnappers, and escaped as she originally described. As the prosecution tried to break down her story, defense witnesses corroborated her assertions, or McPherson herself demonstrated how the disputed parts were plausible. In contrast, the prosecution's case developed serious credibility issues. Witnesses changed their testimonies, and evidence often had suspicious origins or was mishandled while in custody. So strange. Yeah. So, like, the reason they brought charges up against her was because two people died while looking for her. And so... And because they didn't believe that she had been kidnapped. Right. So they they brought charges up against her. um, And, like, what charges was, like... It, involuntary there, manslaughter well like. it's it's like um i i don't have That's i might okay. have it 
We can get to but it But I'm later. not sure. But it's basically, I know, because this happened in a, it wasn't another episode of our podcast, but um, I think it was like another true crime story. But it's happened before where I've, I've heard of other true crime stories yeah. where people are prosecuted because either um, they got their, they got in trouble because they just made a really poor decision where they were not supposed to like what they, that terrible choice they made put a lot of other people in harm's way. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so Bo Bergdahl, right? Bo Bergdahl. So he's in this right. type of situation. And then there's, um, there was an episode of this American life about this family who decided to like get in a boat and they were, they were like going around, they were trying to go around the world or something like that. And they had like a baby that was only seven months old. Oh my goodness. And they ended up like something terrible happened with the boat. They ended up stranded in the middle of the water and they had this child. And so they were, I don't think charges ever ended up being brought up against them, but Mm -hmm. there was talk of it because like your actions led to. yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, like Pamela said, because they didn't believe her and because uh, people died looking for her. Um, and also, there is just like a waste of taxpayers' money to go looking for somebody that you don't think is necessarily missing. Mm-hmm. Um, charges can be brought up against you for, yeah. for those reasons. Finally, on January 2nd, 1927, Ormiston identified Elizabeth Tovey a nurse from Seattle, Washington, as his female companion and the woman who stayed with him at the Seaside Cottage. All charges against McPherson and associated parties were dropped by the court for the lack of evidence on January 10th, 1927. On September 26, 1994, McPherson went to Oakland, California for a series of revivals planning to preach her popular Story of My Life sermon. When McPherson's son went to her hotel at 10 a.m. the next morning, he found her unconscious with pills and a half-empty bottle of capsules nearby. Oh, man. She was dead by 11.15. It was later discovered she previously called her doctor that morning to complain about feeling ill from the medicine, but he was in surgery and could not be disturbed. She then phoned another doctor who referred to her yet another physician. However, McPherson apparently lost consciousness before the third could be contacted. Her death was ruled as an accidental overdose. Oh my gosh. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So she was 53 years old when she passed, which is like mad young. No kidding. Yeah. I can't believe she did all that stuff in that amount of time. No, I know. <laughs> Sheesh. It's crazy. She started so freaking young. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 45,000 people waited in long lines until 2 a.m. to file past the evangelist where for three days her body lay in state at the Angelus Temple. Within a mile and a half, 
radius of the church, uh, police had to double park cars. It took 11 trucks to to transport $50,000 worth of flowers to the cemetery, which itself received more telegram floral orders than any other time since Will Rogers' death almost 10 years earlier. Wow. (laughs) A four-square leader noted that to watch the long line pass reverently by her casket and see tears shed by all types of people regardless of class and color helped give understanding to the far-reaching influence of her life and ministry. So that is the life story of Amy Semple McPherson. There's way more. Way, way more. <laughs> sure. So I say look her up. There's a lot of books written about her. I say cool. read the books. She's really fascinating. Okay. So enter Scandalous, the musical, The Life and Times of Amy Semple McPherson. Okay, so Scandalous was a musical, like I said, about Amy Semple McPherson. And I'll just give you, um, again, I saw it. <laughs> um, and you can listen to the cast recording on Spotify. Um, but I'll just give you like a tiny little synopsis of like which parts of the story I just told are actually in the musical. Um, so it starts out when she's uh, a teenager, an atheist teenager in Canada. Um, and then you go to when she met, meets Robert Semple McFer- Robert, Robert Semple. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I'm like adding Robert Simple McPherson. Yeah, it's not Wait. McPherson, no, just Robert Simple. <laughs> um, and then uh, when she and he like go to Chicago, um, and then uh, when they go to China, uh, then after that, it goes to uh, her living with her mom for a little while. Um, and then the musical goes into uh, the beginning of her ministry. And it actually doesn't touch very much on the hard years, really. Okay. Um, the set uh, kind of, the set pretty quickly uh, enters you in Angelus Temple. And it is this like huge blue and white situation with like I mean you can look up pictures and look at it it's it's <laughs> it's it's a lot but it's like a, a a spectacle which is what you want from a musical cool um so and then it takes you through to when she meets okay uh, let's see she she has What's this character's name? Okay. Emma Jo Schaefer. Okay. So the real Emma Jo Schaefer was Amy Semple. is like her constant companion. She was um, a, I hate to say this word because like technically that's what we are, but like an old maid. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a spinster companion. A spinster companion. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she, if you see pictures of her, she was very, like, plain. Um, she was engaged at one point, but her fiancé went to war, and he died in the war mm. before she was able to marry him. And so um, she she was uh, Amy's, like, right-hand woman until uh, Amy passed on. Um, but in the musical... Uh, <laughs> Emma Jo, Kathy Lee was like, 
no offense, Emma. You're a little boring. <laughs> I'm going to make you a black prostitute <laughs> instead <laughs> because the real one's a little boring. <laughs> um, and Kathy also, like in a lot of interviews, said she was like, this would, I mean, Amy wouldn't have shied away from going to a place like that to minister to people anyway. Sure. So she was like, fine. So, um, and then you, you meet Emma Jo um, in this song called A Girl's Gotta Do What a Girl's Gotta Do, which feel felt a lot like a song from um, the musical, the other musical we the did. The Life? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It felt yeah. a lot like a song from, from The Life. Sure. Uh, so Scandalous, which had two other names before it became Scandalous. First, it was called <laughs> Hurricane Amy. <laughs> I'm glad they changed. I that. am too. I don't even like Saving Amy. Saving Amy sounds that was the like second one, yeah, a, like a comedy with Sarah Silverman. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like yes, it it's does. not a musical. No, <laughs> no, it's not great. But Hurricane Amy. Yeah. No offense, Kathy Lee, but it was probably the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the book and lyrics were written by Kathy Lee Gifford, and the songs were composed by David Pomerantz and David Friedman. Uh. Kathy Lee first heard of Amy's story while she was in college at Oral Roberts University. She eventually moved to L.A. and met people who had known Amy while she while she was alive. Um, and Kathy Lee also dated Amy's grandson for a brief moment. <laughs> she didn't know that, like, like it wasn't like she sought out to like right. date him. It just like so happened. She was like, "What?" <laughs> um, while Kathy, uh. Okay, and so let's see. While Kathy Lee was living in L.A., she had begun to read biographies on Amy's life. Uh, she began watching kinescopes and reading her sermons. Uh, she became obsessed with Amy's story for over 30 years before eventually beginning to pen the musical in the late 90s. The show went through multiple name changes, as I've just suggested. So Hurricane Amy was the first one, um, and the, the piece was called that while it was developing quietly in private readings in Manhattan and Connecticut. And at that time, Christine Ebersol was playing Amy Semple McPherson during her ministry period. There was a, a separate actress, and because, again, these were private readings, I don't know that actress's name. If anyone happens to know it, it was quite difficult for me to find because, again, those were private readings. Yeah. But if anybody happens to, like, know who was reading for the younger Amy, you know, tweet at us, yeah. Facebook us, because I'd love to know who that was. Uh, and those were happening in 2003. Um, at that time, like I said, two women are playing. Okay. Uh, in May of 2004, um, Carolee Carmelo became involved in a workshop love her yeah very much very much um the story's kind of fun so she was in urinetown on broadway <laughs> and there was a friend of hers that was in urinetown that came from had just come from like a workshop reading of it and she was telling carolee about it and carolee was like well who's playing my part <laughs> That's what she said. Who's playing my part? And the girl was like, Christine Ebersol. <laughs> and she was like, oh, okay. Okay. So, I actually, I mean, as much as I love Carolee, Christine Ebersol would have been really good yeah, in that role too. as well. Yeah, totally. I love Christine Ebersol too. Yeah. 
Um, so when she finally got her chance at playing the role, she asked if she could play both parts because she said she had waited her whole life to be able to work that hard for a role. Um, and if you listen to the cast recording on Spotify, I mean, she's like, it just sounds like a different person. Yeah. When she's younger. <laughs> right. So, um, the musical changed its title in 2005 when it played at the White Plains Performing Arts Center from October 14th to October 23rd of 2005. Then it went on to the Signature Theater in D.C. for a full production in 2007. The artistic director of the Signature Theater, which is a Tony Award winning regional theater, is Eric Schaefer. Um, and he stated, I'm thrilled that Signature's doing the world premiere of Saving Amy, a musical I've been helping Kathy Lee Gifford develop. So he actually became the director on the Broadway oh, production. Oh, cool. Uh, Schaefer said in a statement, we did a workshop production in New York last fall, and the which was the White Plains one. Mm -hmm. um, and the story and music are enthralling. He also directed the White Plains production. Um, four years later... The musical played at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle, Washington. This was when I first heard about it, like I was saying earlier. And just weirdly, like my friends were becoming like obsessed and telling me about Amy Semple. But of course, like they had no knowledge of the musical. Oh, how funny. But they were just becoming obsessed with it and telling me about her. And mm -hmm. then, I, like I said, I was watching the Today Show one day. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, there's a musical happening. And my friends were <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Um, so it played in Seattle, Washington from September 30th to October 29th of 2011. That production was directed by David Armstrong, um, who was the artistic director of Fifth Avenue, with choreography by Lauren Latero. Sets were by Walt Spangler and costumes by Gregory A. Poplick. Carmelo again played Amy with Judy Kay as Minnie Kennedy. Wow. Her mother. And then Roz Ryan as Amy Jo Schaefer. And Ed Dixon, who would play Amy's father and also play a representation of all of the male preachers who were like not about Amy. Yeah. Okay, so then um, six numbers from Saving Amy were taken out after that production. And one character... Uh, was cut down a lot. So that was um, Amy's husband, Harold, Harold McPherson. McPherson. Uh, he was cut down a lot. His nickname was Mac. Mm -hmm. um, Mac got the knife. He did. <laughs> he did. He was still in it, but like a, a lot, a much smaller part because Kathy Lee said, as Amy lost interest in Harold, so did the audience. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the musical premiered on Broadway at the Neil Simon Theater with previews starting on October 13th of 2012. And the show opened officially opened on November 15th of 2012. Again, Carmelo was starring. George Hearn replaced the Ed Dixon part. I love him. Yeah. OK, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Candy Buckley ended up playing Minnie Kennedy, Amy's mother. 
Ed Watts played Amy's husband. I know Ed Watts. I did a show with him. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the first husband. So Robert that's Robert Semple. Semple. Yeah. Um, Roz Ryan again played Emma Joe, and Andrew Samansky was in the dual roles of Harold McPherson and Kenneth Ormiston. Mm-hmm. Direction and choreography are again by Armstrong and Latero. Sets and costumes were Spangler and Poplick again. Um, and lighting was by Natasha Katz. The new title of the musical was now Scandalous, The Life and Trials of Amy Semple McPherson. So there was a song in the uh, Hurricane Amy and Saving Amy, literally set called Saving Amy, which obviously <laughs> is one of the six songs cut because when the show's not called Saving Amy, yeah. Amy anymore, that sh- song makes no sense. Right. So it left. Um, the producers included Four Square Foundation and Dick DeVos. Who's that? Does that last name? It does. But why? Betsy DeVos. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Her husband. <laughs> okay. For the people that don't know. I'm. <laughs> she's the secretary, uh, secretary of, of education. education right now. <laughs> the New York <laughs> Times noted. So <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, (laughs) The New York Times (laughs) noted that these were, quote unquote, unusual newcomers um, as Foursquare Foundation provides grants to evangelical churches and ministries and obviously not normally musical theater, musical theater. But she's the founder of their church. Of course, they're going to (laughs) contribute if they feel like it does her justice. You know what I mean? So I love that they were behind it. Yeah, it's really cool Um, for the week ending. Okay, so this is the decline, guys. Oh, it didn't last very long. I like when I looked at the dates, I was like, how did I see this? Like how you said it start? It started performances November 17th, uh, November. So preview started October 13th. Right. It officially opened November 15th, 2012. But then it like closed November 9th or December 9th, 2012. Oh. I'm, I'm like, how did I? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that was like a tiny window that I s- somehow snuck up in there. <laughs> um, you waited in the attic until the morning. <laughs> that's what one of yes, exactly what happened. <laughs> snuck in the Neil Simon. <laughs> uh, for the week ending December 2nd, the show grossed three three hundred seventy thousand two hundred forty three dollars which was an uptick of more than one hundred seventy five thousand from the previous week's take wow um but they, not enough no i mean that's never enough 370 no i mean shuffle along closed and that thing was almost 900 grand yeah you know what i'm saying like this isn't that that's not that's not a lot and that one hundred seventy five thousand. Um, was because there was a special ticket push by the New York Dream Center. Now, this was the part that I was saying was kind of cool because yeah. it sort of reminded me of, like, the Hamilton thing. Yeah. Um, the New York Dream Center purchased tickets for area residents affected by Hurricane Sandy. So part of the problem the producers felt like was be Hurricane Sandy, like, it opened, mm-hmm. right? Like, literally, Hurricane Sandy was, like, during Halloween. So it was, yeah. like, right after it opened, Hurricane Sandy hit. And, like, people don't have electricity. People have lost everything. They ain't about a musical right, right. now. They ain't got that kind of money. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm sure it did not help. 
No. Like, I'm sure it did not help. I will be honest in saying that the reviews were also not great. Yeah. On Broadway. But if you read a lot of reviews from, like, the Seattle tryout, from the DC tryout, they're actually, like, pretty favorable. So I don't know... I don't know if it's just because it's a New York audience now and, like, they feel... I don't know. But but one of the big problems I heard was, like, the lyrics were too expository. Mm. Um, everybody was pretty unanimously in saying that Carolee was majestic, which, of course, you said Duh. that. <laughs> of course. You, I mean, it's what's right. Duh. It's just the truth. That is all. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Uh, the Dream Center is a local arm of the Los Angeles Dream Center, which is a charity organization founded by McPherson at the height of her fame in the 1920s. More than 1,600 tickets were bought and distributed to those in need the week of November 26, but the theater was still filled to only 37.6% of capacity during wow. the week. Huh. So, like, even with that. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, Scandalous closed on November 9th, 2012, after 29 regular performances and 31 previews. Okay. Carol Lee was nominated for a 2013 Tony Award in the category of Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role in a Musical and for a Drama Desk Award as Outstanding Actress in a Musical. And then the cast recording was also released in 2013. At least they had a cast recording. Yeah. There's a number of shows we've talked about that didn't have. <laughs> nope. And it's a real loss. Ugh, total loss. A real loss. It doesn't um, matter. Like, that's just, it's like, it doesn't matter if you're a flop. People yeah. want to hear it. Yeah. And 20 years from now, 30 years from now, yeah. a little 10-year-old girl who wants to be on Broadway someday is going to buy every cast recording she can get her hands on. <laughs> and if yeah. yours isn't in there, what a shame. Yeah. Yeah. I was referring to myself. I know you are. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Like, I I was picturing tiny Pamela <laughs> going into a used yeah. CD shop. In the middle of like, nowhere, oh, Illinois. There's a musical. Yeah, there's a musical. And little Ebony, <laughs> whose mom took her on Saturday mornings to uh, Borders. Nobody remembers. I don't know who remembers Borders, but she was like, that's where all the musical theater stuff is. So she would let me go there and she'd walk around and do other nice. stuff. Nice. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. <laughs> so... So that's the story of Scandalous, guys. There's no, you know, big scandal about how it closed. It's, you know, just one but of the, the 75%. Story percent, the yeah, show, the, yeah. The story behind the show is super fascinating. That's cool. Um, it was the same season as Chaplin, which also okay. closed pretty quickly. Which I also heard really great things about. I, I haven't it heard. Actually didn't, I think I've heard a couple songs. But. It didn't get good reviews either. Okay. Um, And... A lot of articles talked about how it was, like, funny because that whole, like, 2011, 2012 period, there were a lot of, like, um, like religious musicals. So you had, like, Sister Act. You had Leap of Faith. You had Godspell. You had this scandalous. Um, you had Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm -hmm. Like, all in, like, two seasons. <laughs> and, oh, oh, and the only one that's still open, Book of Mormon. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, like... Uh, it was just like this, w like little bit of time where it was just like everything was. Yeah. Um. So, so <laughs> it's it makes me. It makes me a little sad because I feel like this woman, like 
it's it's Women's History Month. Mm-hmm. I'm really happy that I got to tell you about her because she is a very integral part of women's history. Yeah. She's really important for us to know about. She was a woman who did a lot of things at a time when, like, nobody thought a woman should be doing anything she was doing except, like, being, like, at home. Right. Like, that's all they were allowed to do. And, like, I just love that she was like, well, I'm, no, no, not doing it. (laughs) and it pissed off a lot of people and who cares yeah but the thing that makes me sad is like she did all of that and a lot of people don't know who that is i had never i mean i guess in the back of my mind i think i've heard of her but yeah i i didn't know that full story yeah it's really amazing yeah i mean there is something to be said about stepping out in faith yeah because at a time where women were relegated to the kitchen or to the you know to the house Mm -hmm. you know they didn't do anything else she was like well i mean i kind of was put on this earth to do something spectacular and i'm gonna do it yeah and she did she did that's cool yeah she's really cool so if you want to know more about Amy Semple, look her up. Like I said, please look her up, read books about her, read articles about her. Um, none of the cast knew about her either before. Yeah, that's like cool. they, none of them knew who she was. Uh, and I, I think she deserves for us as women to know about her. Absolutely. Especially. I mean, everyone should know about her, but especially <laughs> like seriously. Yes. Yep. All right. That's our episode, guys. That's it. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. (laughs) Hey, geeks. (laughs) Could you just do us a favor and go to Facebook at Theater Geeks Anonymous? Also, you can follow us on Twitter at TGA. (laughs) Also, uh, oh, man. TGABWay at gmail.com. Perfect. Uh, to send us any comments, uh, ideas for our intermission episode. Oh my gosh. Anything you want to send us, send us there. Or you can also message us on either Twitter or Facebook. Yes, you can. Uh, like, share, follow, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Oh, and where else are we? We are also on SoundCloud and Stitcher if you are an Android user. Right. Which I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, none of my friends are. I'm just so kidding. are we not friends? Is that what you're saying? What are you talking about? We're more than friends. <laughs> <laughs> this is going way south. Okay. So anyway, thank you guys. You're awesome. Uh, thanks for listening. Send us to all of your friends. Yeah. If, if there's anybody you know that you think will like us, please totally. tell them to listen. Hey, if you go to college in a theater department, spread us around. Yeah. I mean, spread us like a, like a sun butter. Listen, if you want to be... <laughs> The ultimate theater geek. Oh. And know about shows that nobody else knows mm-hmm. about. I think you might want to be trying to listen to us. You could be going to your 9 p.m. rehearsal going, hey, guys, have you ever heard of the show Senator Joe? Yeah. Or maybe something called, I don't know, Kelly. Okay. <laughs> well, that's it. Thank you so Thanks, much guys. for listening. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org, because only together we rise. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.